Hey everybody and welcome to another half-baked soft launch version of the TV Talk Machine podcast. I'm your host Tim Goodman, the chief television critic at The Hollywood Reporter, and I call it the soft launch or the half-baked version of the TVTM because um, I did one before I went down to the television critics press tour in July and um you know, this is a resurrection of a podcast I did years ago, um, but this is a soft launch because this is basically just recapping and trying to get it off the ground. But in the future, in the near future, I hope, um, I'll be joined by uh, a co-host of mine, or actually a co-guest, and that's Allison Keen. Allison is a uh, freelance uh, TV critic, and she does a lot of our unscripted uh, reviews on THR. Dot com and she's wonderful. She's very smart and very funny uh, and insightful. She's actually going to pick up some of our recaps this year, which is good. We're going to expand into that role, or at least beyond what I did for Mad Men and Breaking Bad and do some stuff that's probably a little bit more uh, mainstream stuff that I haven't done in the past. But she's wonderful. She's really strong. And um, she's going to be a guest regularly when I am just talking about television. Her and I are going to sort of bounce some ideas off of each other and see what's going on in the TV zeitgeist. But then also in the future, I will be uh, interviewing people I like in the business, and whether, that, whether that's actors or executives or writers or producers. It doesn't really matter. It's just people who I think um, who I respect, and I think they're doing really great work. Um, you'll hear them here on the TV Talk Machine. You know, it's not going to be people who are pushing a new show or uh, were pitched by publicists because they star in some show. It's going to be because I like them and I like their work and I think that you would be interested in hearing from them uh, in an interview. So that's coming up, but until that gets launched, so we work out the kinks and get that launched, I thought what better way to sort of recap or close off what I started way back in July, uh, by now lost in the archives of uh, THR, no doubt. But I did start this uh, TVTM back up again, and um, I went down to the uh, TV Critics Association Summer Press Tour and saw all the stuff that we'll be watching in the fall, and even more shows we'll be watching in, the, in, the, uh, in mid-season. And I thought maybe we would go through those and uh, recap those sessions, which in some ways gives us a sort of a table setter for the fall season because all of the shows and all the panels that we that we had at TCA are pretty much going to be popping up on your screen basically in the second or third week of September. So uh, this year, cable kicked it off. And, uh, you know, it's always fun when cable starts because it's kind of a mad dash from room to room as all these cable channels vie for the attention of TV critics from around the country and Canada. Um, but there's always a lot of stuff there that, that goes under the radar that's pretty interesting. Um, obviously, it's already started, but ESPN had uh, Keith Olbermann on, and I think uh, I reviewed Olbermann's show called Olbermann, surprisingly enough, on ESPN2. Uh, and despite some of the things that I, I thought were needed to be changed. I think things were a little a little heavily Oberman-esque, shall we say. He doesn't really need that. He's too big for that. He doesn't need to have everything called Keith Highlights or Keith Lights and um, 
history of Keith and that stuff, but he's working it out. And I, and I really think that in a very short time, uh, the Olbermann show has become pretty much must record, um, viewing for sports fans. I know a lot of people don't like, uh, Keith and that's fine if you don't like his politics or you don't like him personally, but, um, obviously I've liked him for a long time. He and I are friends and, uh, I think the show is, is, came out of the box pretty solid and it's only gotten better since then. And so I'm taking that on a pretty much a nightly basis. Um, you know, National Geographic and Hallmark Channel kicked it off. I love Nat Geo. Don't watch a whole lot of stuff on Hallmark. But I will say that on September 20th, Hallmark, the Hallmark Movie Channel actually has something very good. It's called The Watsons Go to Birmingham. And I think that Allison will be reviewing that for um, The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, looked really good. And um, that's not to say that the other stuff on Hallmark isn't any good. It's just really not up my field. Um other people who uh, dropped in and had sessions that I liked were BBC America. No surprise there. Uh, you Doctor Who fans, of course, know that it's the uh, 50th season. And um, I have sort of vowed, and I was on Twitter talking to Doctor Who fans, I sort of vowed to sort of get back into it. Or I guess the better description of that would be to get into it. Um, I've always sort of been daunted by the whole Doctor Who mythology and and uh you know it's one of those shows where I I really have never re reviewed it much because if you get one thing wrong <laughs> literally one thing wrong and I'm not talking about like not knowing what the TARDIS is or misspelling it but just anything sort of mundane in my view if you get that wrong that lives on the internet forever and people will never ever forgive you and you'll get emails like for the rest of your life. So no, thank you. Um, I just didn't know enough about it, but as I talked about it, when I was in down in LA in July, um, a lot of, um, a lot of Dr. Who fans said, you know, stick with it, start with the revamp version. And there's not a whole lot of seasons. It's quick to catch up. Uh, and then if you'd like to go into the classic version, so that's something I probably will do. Um, anyway, that was a, that was a good session. Um, and I get, I think I will, I will go back to the revamped doctor and, and sort of catch up to the current season. And, um, as you also know, the BBC America has a movie called an adventure in space and time, which is, uh, a feature film that depicts how doctor who got off the ground at the BBC and, um, uh, the struggles. And, uh, it looked very, very intriguing. Obviously, I, again, I don't know a whole lot of the history, but uh, it's something that uh, I'm definitely going to watch, and I thought it was uh, thought it was pretty interesting. You know what else was good? Um, Velocity. Now, there's a channel that probably a lot of you are not watching, but the Patrick Dempsey racing Le Mans, it was just really interesting. I know that that, usually the first thing that annoys me is a celebrity doing anything that they shouldn't be doing. Like, say, Racing Le Mans. I have no idea why Patrick Dempsey wanted to do that. But I also knew going into it that, you know, credit goes to the guy. He put the time in. He's raced it before. He's dedicated to racing uh, in a lot of ways, like Paul Newman was dedicated to racing. So just you know, at that point, you get to say, okay, just because he's a TV star and a celebrity, you can't, you know, look askance at the effort. If the guy can actually race, he can race. And it turns out he can race. Um, it was interesting. I think one of the things that came out of that session was, uh, Patrick Dempsey basically saying, 
that he was on Grey's Anatomy basically to pay the bills to to be able to race, which I was I, I appreciated that greatly since as an actor it must suck to be on a show and play the same role over and over and over again, which of course you wouldn't get if you run uh BBC America. Oh well, you know, I kinda glossed over BBC a little bit. The um Broadchurch is currently on, although by the time you hear this, who knows? Uh it's a series that uh that I reviewed and loved. It was uh I was just using a British term, gutted by that whole thing. It was just heart wrenching and incredibly well acted and well written and to me one of the biggest surprises of the summer i guess because certainly it's not it wouldn't qualify as fall but really amazing i mean if if breaking bad wasn't on right now i would probably say broad church is is really one of the one of the, the top shows that's on television right now certainly in the in the two slot or the three slot right now and um they're going to make a second season of broad church they're also going to make an american version of broad church i'm not sure quite what i feel about that um but um i think it's going to be fine at least in the first season the guy who did uh broad church for the the british version the original is going to sort of write the bible for the um first season and he's going to write the pilot episode so he's i think we're in good hands at that point after that who knows maybe it'll be the killing and as you hear this the killing was canceled for a second time I'm sure your heart breaks for that. Um, also on Discovery, we have Atlantis coming up. Now, I wasn't really thrilled by the... Uh, it was a little bit cheesy, the uh, Atlantis uh, clips. So, who knows? I'll check it out. But it might have been a little bit uh, one step too far for me. Um, let's see what else. Um, you know, the Science Channel has a lot of good stuff. What they brought to TCA wasn't the best. It was the Unexplained Files, which to me is... You know, if, if you're the science channel, you don't put a show like that on. You put science on. Science is not unexplained for the most part. There is reason and logic behind it. Um, HBO was there, of course, and um, much of what they've done already is has probably already aired. Uh, but the one that you haven't quite seen yet, which I'm very excited about, is their new their new comedy with Stephen Merchant called Hello, Ladies. And I will be reviewing that for THR, so look for that. Uh, very funny, incredible session. And maybe I'll just start, maybe I'll put the session up verbatim. Although, I, I thought about that when I was was in that se- session with uh, Stephen Merchant. And, you know, a lot of his humor doesn't translate to the page. It's just this thing with him where, you know, he's just so out of left field. He's just so, everything's kind of a non sequitur or it's a, rambling story it doesn't quite translate to print so maybe that wouldn't be a good idea uh, i don't know if you watched the seduced in a band movie the hbo did that was pretty good i like that uh let's see it's moving along what else did i like uh oh well i you probably didn't watch the white queen on stars which is too bad i mean look i've written about stars a number of times and about how hard it is for them to launch things because they really are the third choice in premium cable you're going to go HBO or Showtime, one or the other. And then Stars would probably be your third option. Although it doesn't always pan out with that way. You can buy a, you know, a digital tier and Stars will be included in it. But you're still shelling out a little bit extra money. And, and for, my, for my complaint about the channel, I think it's that it's very competitive in the number of subscribers that it has. 
but those subscribers are not necessarily watching the original content that Stars is putting on, which I find odd because I just can't imagine in the era of Netflix that people would be buying a a movie channel. And, you know, let's not take anything away from them. Stars and Encore, um, they really do dominate the the movie market like HBO and Showtime used to and don't anymore. But um, Stars really does and Encore really does get all the most of the good new movies. Well, good is relative because I'm not a major fan of film these days. Otherwise, I'd be a film critic. Um, but I thought The White Queen was really good. And um, as a miniseries, it was, it was really strong. I'm not sure you were watching that. One of the series that I cannot believe made into its third season was AMC's Hell on Wheels. It has a new showrunner. Um, but that show really, the first two seasons were just, I think, run into the ground. No pun there. Um, it just, it was an example, I think much like the killing where AMC got an idea from a showrunner whose experience was on broadcast television and they were running very, I think, obvious, maybe mid-level quality mediocrity. And I, I don't mean to be negative about that. Um, but these aren't people who were serious creators who were brilliant in their own right and came up with something like Mad Men or Breaking Bad. Um, they were basically put into shows that were either suggested to them or they took a foreign format and made it. And, and I just don't think that they had the talent to pull it off. So the first two seasons of Helen Wheels didn't really work for me. I think the ratings for actually the third season are not too bad. Um, and given the fact that Low Winter Sun, which is also on, um, isn't doing so great in the numbers, you know, I who knows how long Wheels might get a fourth season. But at this point, it just seriously does not grab me. It's not a series that I probably would even re really record anymore. It's just... Um, you know, I recently did a piece uh, in THR talking about, you know, we have so many incredible choices out there as viewers. I mean, it's renaissance times a thousand, and you've got to make tough choices. And I just don't think that Hell on Wheels is something that I'm going to record the whole season and catch up on it. I'm just not. You know, I think the the column where I brought this idea, this notion uh, up was when I talked about HBO's Boardwalk Empire. It's a really good series. I mean, it's a very good series. I wouldn't call it great, but it's in that second tier. But honestly, it's just not very compelling. And in this day and age of time shifting, if you're not compelling, why would you watch? You know, it's like The Walking Dead, whatever you might think of that show. I mean, I love it. And I never miss it. I obviously never miss Breaking Bad. But I'm a big fan of Boardwalk Empire, but it's just not compelling. Part of it is the structure in that the series doesn't really get good. Well, that's not that's a that's unfair. It doesn't get thrilling, or to reuse the word compelling, it doesn't get to that mark until like the last three, four, or five episodes of the season, and then it goes out like a Roman candle. But we've seen three seasons of that, and um, you know I think that Boardwalk Empire. I hate to say it, I think Boardwalk Empire is about as good as it's ever going to get. Which means it's a very good series. It's on the second tier. But again, not compelling. It's not something that I um, rush to watch when it comes out. And I do that with The Walking Dead. I do that with uh, 
um, Breaking Bad, obviously. I do that with Mad Men, but not with that one. So um, moving past Hell on Wheels and, and just re- touching again on Low Winter Sun, you know, it, it, that show, I need to look at it some more. Again, I thought it had potential. It was very, very serious. It was very a little too keenly interested in being taken serious or seriously. Um, but I think that AMC didn't do the show any favors by putting it right after Breaking Bad. I mean, I get the logic. They don't have many options. They use existing hits to launch new hits. This is a formula that's, that's been around forever. You're going to see that on networks, but you definitely see it on uh, niche cable channels that they get a good drama. They maybe get another good drama, but they you start using those in future seasons to launch their new offerings. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I, the idea was good. Let's let's take uh, Breaking Bad in the final eight episodes, a show that everybody loves, that the ratings are going up on. A an incredibly compelling series to use that word again. And let's let's put our new show on there, Low Winter Sun. But what they didn't factor in was that you'd be so exhausted right after watching Breaking Bad that the last thing you want to do is sit down and watch a super, super dark, overly serious drama set in Detroit, the crumbling city of Detroit, um, about a crooked cop and a killing and um, some serious issues. I mean, I think the show might be okay where it pulled out of that slot, but and who is really watching that? You know, uh, I th- I think that I, th- I really think that you know after the episode thirteen of Breaking Bad, I-, I can't imagine one household in this country that actually a could scrape themselves off the ceiling and watch something else, but you know that actually did just sit there and say, oh well, okay, what a crazy shootout in the desert and. Um, my heart is in my throat, so, well, no, let's just watch Low Winter Sun. So I think the scheduling didn't do it any favors. Um, but I'm not ready to, to write that off yet. Another channel um, that I don't think really is going to be a factor as we sort of try to recap the summer and move our way into the fall is Pivot, which is a show I'm sure you have not watched, although I guess I'm not sure that. I'm not, I'm not living in your living room. Um, you would have to show me a picture of your couch before that would happen. Um, but Pivot is a, a series basically for millennials. It's a channel directed at millennials. They actually had a pretty good TCA session. I'll give them credit for that. Um, I wasn't sold on it. I always like the fact that channels that are geared for millennials are always run by people who are, um, not millennials. And, uh, I, I think that says something maybe too vast for me to grasp right now, or at least to get into but, you know, I think Pivot had its, it's a little bit like current. You might remember that. Now Al Jazeera, but that was Al Gore's baby, which he turned into several different babies or iterations of a baby, which was all user generated content. And then it was left wing politics. Then it was the channel you couldn't find. Then it was the channel that hired Oberman and he split uh, when the electricity didn't work. So, um, it's now um, Al Jazeera, but initially, obviously, Current was going after a younger audience. I think that's what Pivot's doing. Well, that definitely is what Pivot is doing. But, it, you know, it, these days, 
time is the currency. And uh, I don't know if I have time or anybody has time to sort of discover a new channel that's not really offering stuff that's super, super, um, uh, I don't want to use compelling again, but let's just use it because I don't have another word right now. Okay, so um, once the networks came in, uh, we got to start seeing some of the fall shows that um, you'll be coming uh, you'll be coming to watch starting in a couple of weeks in September, and hopefully Alice and Keen and I will be talking about periodically here on uh, TV Talk Machine podcast. But uh, NBC was up first, and they had a Welcome to the Family, a sitcom that I I kind of liked. It's not something that I would probably record. Every week, but I thought it was funnier than expected. It's about blended families. Um, and it's one of, I think, probably the most under-ad supported, or how would I say that? Um, let's just say the, let's just say the promotion budget isn't the best for Welcome to the Family. I think NBC's putting more of that money into the Michael J. Fox show. And um, not a bad bet there. The Michael J. Fox show is definitely something that's on my radar. I, th- I think the the pilot was pretty good. Um, the issue there is, I think the issue there is w- whether people are willing to sort of laugh along with Michael J. Fox um, as he does a show about his Parkinson's and and how that's a struggle. I mean, in Parkinson's, the Parkinson's disease that he has and had for some time is at the center of the Michael J. Fox show. And um, it's really an interesting take because while I think that that is uh, brave of him, although he said we shouldn't call him brave for doing that, um, I think it's interesting. Let's put it that way. The pilot was interesting. It was funny. It was well-written. But I'm not sure every week people want to sort of wince along at some comedy that on some level makes them feel a little sad. Um, and I think there's a little bit of that element in Super Fun Night, which we'll talk about or I'll talk about soon. NBC also has Sean Saves the World, and no, he does not. He certainly does not save NBC. That's not a show I'm going to be watching. Sunday Night Football, yes, I'll watch that all the time. They had an NBC Olympics panel. That was interesting. Uh, I am unapologetically a, a large fan of the Olympics, and I know the argument, yes, it's tape delayed constantly on the on the West Coast, and it's prepackaged for prime time. I get all that. Um, I complain about all that, but beyond that, I don't care. I love the Olympics. I'll watch it. Maybe one of the best pilots um, also came from NBC, and that was The Blacklist with James Bader. And at its heart, it's really just a procedural. It's going to be a find an international terrorist or international wanted thug per week. But beyond that, I think it's very compelling because the it, the main character played by James Spader is really interesting, and it's a great performance from James Spader. It's probably one or two of my top two favorite broadcast network um, dramas. That doesn't say much because in the past, we've all been fooled by really good pilots that turn out to be crappy series. So we'll see. But, you know, I don't mind that after the pilot that the blacklist is going to fall into sort of a week-to-week capturing of international espionage 
people. And I don't really mind that because I think that Spader and I think that the way that they set that up as a, as a, an agent who's gone rogue and then comes back with a handful of information, well, more than a handful of information about people uh, the agency can't even track down. Um, I think that's kind of fascinating in its own way, mostly because he's just so he's just so convincing in his performance, and he really chews enough scenery here to uh, uh, fill his belly. No doubt about that. Um, oh, Ironside, yeah, Ironside was the other NBC fall series that was brought to us, and you know what? Nobody really wanted a remake of Ironside. Seriously, I mean, maybe. Blair Underwood wanted it because he needed a job, but it's not very good. And um, it's kind of stupid. I think it's uh, there's no need for it, and it's awkward and confusing and poorly done. Um, unintentionally funny, and uh, I don't know. It's really Let's not waste our chatter on that because I don't think that's something that you're going to find you know, super exciting. CBS came and uh, CBS has one of my favorite pilots. It's the drama Hostages. I don't know, uh, as I've said many times, both in print as we build up to the fall season and in different radio interviews, that uh, I'm not sure there's a whole series there, but it's a hell of a pilot. And, you know, Dylan McDermott plays a, a rogue uh, CIA agent, CIA, FBI. You know, one of those two, one of those TV conveniences, uh, who pulls off a really ballsy stunt, and that is to uh, take the family of the doctor, played by Tony Collette, who's about to do surgery on the president, POTUS, um, and basically says, I'm going to kill your family if you don't call, kill the president on the operating table. As it unfolds, it is taut and suspenseful, well-acted, well-written for the hour. But you keep asking yourself, okay, where does this go? I mean, she either kills the president or she doesn't. And if she doesn't kill the president, how the hell are they going to do, you know, 13, 15 episodes? They're not going to go 22, but I think it's 15 or 16 episodes of these guys keeping this family hostage in the house. I mean, how is that even possible? And... um you know, at the end of the pilot, we still don't know. That's not giving anything away. Obviously, you knew they weren't going to give it all away in the first hour. But I think that there is an out. I definitely think that there is a possibility of making this series a real series beyond just a really good hour, hour, two-hour idea. And that is that they do kill the president, and then they deal with the fallout. So I'm kind of hoping it goes in that direction. Um, but it was a very good pilot. And I think you should watch that. Unfortunately, the rest of the CBS stuff was comedies. And, you know, it doesn't take a a sleuth to figure out that I have never really been a big on CBS comedies. It's just not my thing. Comedy is subjective. I don't like laugh tracks. Um, I know that I respect the fact that the Big Bang Theory is well-constructed in its jokes, um, its nerdist science jokes, and its delivery by the two main actors are, are, are impressive, impressive to witness. But I think the laugh track is oppressive. Um, I just don't find it as funny as many of my nerd colleagues find it. Um, 
Yeah, and then you slide over to How I Met Your Mother, and during the, I think, the glory years of that show, I was a big fan of it, because even though it was a traditional sitcom with a multi-camera and a laugh track, at least they turned the laugh track down. Oh, and to, and to be clear, <clears throat> Big Bang Theory is not a laugh track. It's a live studio audience, but that means nothing, because basically a live studio audience is a bunch of trained monkeys. So, and their laughter can be sweetened. Let's put it that way. Um... And it certainly can be edited, but it's not edited for that show. But I liked How I Met Your Mother. But but and generally, I don't like CBS com- comedies because I think they're just they're just too broad. It's I'm not that I'm not the target audience for that. So they came out with four, and I really don't like any of them. The first one is The Millers, and maybe I'm maybe I'm the one who's going to find this show the most offensive. But to me, it's like a staggering waste of talent. Margot Martindale, completely wasted in this series. Um, I think when you reduce Margot Martindale to fart jokes, and not just one fart joke, but like five fart jokes, then you've really kind of milked it. Um, the Millers is is um, from Greg Garcia, who I have liked in the past. I, I, I liked um, um, Raising Hope quite a bit. And I liked My Name is Earl. And, um, yeah, I think he's done good work. Uh, this one is not my favorite. And, um, you know, I think when you, even when you get someone like, you know, Will Arnett or J.B. Smoove or, uh, Margo Martindale, all these, Bo Bridges, they have a lot of famous actors in this show. It, it doesn't really matter if the writing's not there and the writing's not there. It's too broad. And But I get it. You know, I, I get how maybe Greg Garcia decided, you know, well, I have this kind of critically acclaimed series, Raising Hope, that is solid and funny and all these other things that critics love and and, and wink wink and incredible performances from everybody involved. But nobody's really watching it. So I want to go over to CBS where I'm guaranteed minimum 11 million people will watch it. I get that. You know, you want people to see your work. But I think the payoff to that is that to bring... To bring that home, you have to do a show like The Millers. And that means writing fart jokes for Margot Martindale. And I'm not down with that. All right, moving on. Beyond that, they are, they have, uh, CBS has We Are Men. It's about uh, men recently detached from their better halves and they're acting like idiots and it's stupid. Does that help you? Uh, the other is The Crazy Ones, and that is uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets Robin Williams in a predictably weird um, um, sitcom. I'm going to use air quotes on that. Um, about market, or, sorry, about advertising. And um, for you Mad Men fans, Bob Benson stars in this as well. Just found it kind of pandering. Didn't find much that I liked about it. Um, I know that some of my colleagues in the Television Critics Association found Mom at CBS to be really good. And, well, you know what? Reasonable people can disagree. I thought that was really bad and um, didn't like that one at all. So so I was a no on the Millers, was a no on We Are Men, I was a no on the Crazy Ones, and I'm a no on Mom. That's four CBS sitcoms that are going to be hitting your... Hopefully, actually, not hitting your eyeballs in the in the fall. Probably the next two weeks. Showtime came in, 
You know, it's in the CBS family, so of course they were there right about the same time. Homeland, yeah. You know what? I was very down on Homeland Season 2, certainly after the first three or four or five episodes. I thought that it became 24. I'm on record as saying not happy about that season. But the uh, the first couple of episodes of Homeland for Season 3, who knows where it's going to go, but it looks to me like they're back on track. I was very impressed, and it was a good session to have them there. Let's see here. They also had Masters of Sex, which is coming up. I really wholeheartedly uh, endorse that show. It looks, it's a lot of fun. It's um, funny. It's serious. It's uh, touching. And yes, there's naked people everywhere, but that's not the selling point. So, I mean, I, I could be the selling point, depending who, on who you are. But I, I think that there's so much more going on with uh, Masters of Sex um, and the Masters and Johnson history and the look at that relationship that's intriguing um i'm definitely going to watch that i i've seen it and i love the pilot and um obviously we'll be giving that a pretty good review uh you know the cw was in town too the cw is part of the cbs and showtime family and um yeah the cw the or as i call it the the network of magical thinking I am not their audience. I am certainly not their target demo. I am not uh, a young female who um, doesn't read history or um, seeks something complicated. I don't know. How would I describe the CW audience? But they are back with Rain, R-E-I-G-N. Mm-hmm. The originals and the Tomorrow People. And I'm not going to talk about any of those because I don't like any of them all. Or any of them all. I don't like any of them, and they are all mundane. How's that? Hulu was in town. When I say in town, I mean L.A. And I'm in L.A., I mean the Beverly Hilton, where we we were ensconced, where I stayed for 19 days. Uh, but it was, a, I think, a 16-day press tour. So, uh, yeah, Hulu was there, and <laughs> I don't know. I love Hulu, and hopefully you have um, checked out some of their offerings. Uh, I think they're definitely ramping up, like Netflix, to be a bigger player moving forward. And that can't hurt. They are licensing really interesting series like Moon Boy from Ireland and the BBC. Um, I think some of their original programming like Behind the Mask and Quick Draw uh, and The Wrong Mans, those were Behind the Mask being um, unscripted, but... The Wrong Man's from Britain looked really good. Um, Quick Draw has already been on. I mean, all the stuff is just available for you to see. Um, I think that was very funny in, in, in many spots. And then the animated series, The Awesomes, looked pretty good. So you could check that out. And um, again, talking about this renaissance and talking about how many options you're going to have heading into fall or right now, right in the summer, uh, it's overwhelming. We are all drowning in content. Next up was Fox, and uh, let's quickly run through there. Sleepy Hollow was going to be one of the first uh, series to uh, hit the dial, and I, I really liked Sleepy Hollow um, because it was kind of stupid. <laughs> it was kind of like this ridiculous premise of um, uh, Ichabod Crane coming back and being like kind of a badass and a handsome young man and uh, uh, doing battle with the Headless Horseman. And... 
they kind of reimagined that they come back in the current world. And the first part of it was very serious and very, not dour, but I mean, they were, they were going for a little gravitas there, but by the midpoint, things started to get kind of crazy and a little dumber and stupider. And that's when it got really good. So I hope that it continues to be ridiculous. And the more ridiculous that Sleepy Hollow gets, the better I think it will be. And um, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. I did like the pilot. Um, maybe the surprise of of fall, as far as sitcoms go, is Fox's Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And going to hardly endorse that. I was really, really surprised by that. Andy Samberg is great in it. Um, you know, it's just it's just one of those shows that you don't see that often because it's so hard to do. And that is doing a comedy about cops. You know, Barney Miller, Police Squad, I think that's it, right? I mean, maybe two series. You know, my brain is fogging up, but maybe two series in the history of television that were spoofs of the of the cop genre that actually, cop and detective genre that actually worked um, on a comedic level. So you don't see them that often because they're really hard to do, but Brooklyn Nine-Nine is really, really good. And I think Andre Brower as the straight man, although he plays a gay man, which is funny, um, as the totally no-nonsense no um, commanding officer, while Andy Samberg is this completely flipped-out, over-the-top detective. It really works. I mean, it sets its tone well. It's, um, it's ridiculous. It's well-casted. It's well-written. The actors are do well with their material. And I think, um, to me, that was, I think, for comedies, that was by far the biggest surprise of the fall. Another series that you'll see late, later from Fox in the comedy, Enlisted. I liked Enlisted a lot. And I think there's a, there's a lot of potential there. Um, you know, with Fox, it's sort of a staggered, because they've got baseball, the schedule's really messed up. You're going to see some stuff launching uh, in September, and then there's a big gap for October baseball, and then things will come back in November. Um, I believe you still en you'll still see Enlisted and another drama I quite like, Almost Human. You'll see that, um, I believe, in early November. Uh, I like that as well. I, I, you know, I thought that Fox had a number of really interesting, well-thought-out well series. Um, you know, Sleepy Hollow is the wild card because who knows? I mean, it's just, it's just so ridiculous. Who knows if it'll work? I think Brooklyn Nine-Nine is going to be a hit. I think people are going to like Almost Human. It's a genre series, but I think it's going to get um, some respect. I think Enlisted, when it comes on, will be a good comedy. Um, hopefully it'll get some exposure and people will sample it and they'll like it. Where they really fall off at Fox is in the show Dads. No doubt you've heard of this show. Um, it's, you know, Seth MacFarlane doing a, a two-dimensional, real-life, real-people comedy that's basically um, trying to be as, even though I hate the word edgy, it's trying to be uh, as edgy as Family Guy. And I just think that you, there's things you can do with animation that you can't do with real people. And um, beyond that, I don't know why Fox... No, the secret of Fox, here's the dirty little secret of Fox. They've always really wanted to be CBS light. Um, I mean, you look at Bones, House, those were all CBS light shows. Uh, 
which is fine. I mean, those shows are fine, but it, they've done a number of dramas that have been very CBS-like, let's put it that way. But mostly they've kept their comedies to be single camera, a little bit um, more right angles, a little more difficult to get into, a little more pointed and funny, uh, irreverent. But with dads, they're definitely going after the CBS model. It's a... Uh, your father's mother's, your father's father's comedy. I don't know. It's a, it's a, you know, standard multi-camera laugh track series that is not only blatantly unfunny from beginning to end, but like racist, stupid, um, obvious, uh, another waste of talent, more good actors wasted in this. Um, I I don't know. I just I think it's a huge mistake and a huge blow for Fox to uh, be getting all of this blowback from critics, you know, and outside people. Uh, there's there's organizations, there's some minority or groups that are protesting dads, particularly Asian groups, because there's a lot of Asian jokes here. Um, and I think it's a misstep from Fox because they have these other shows that should be getting all their attention because they're good shows, particularly. You know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. People should be all over that. That's the show that should be most talked about. But you know what? Dads and the fact that it's a blunder and stupid is really stealing its thunder. Um, so anyway, but uh, don't watch that. I'm not sure you're going to watch The X Factor. I don't really care about that. Um, FX, yeah. We can talk about FX all night. We know that that's good. I'm wondering if you went over and found, well, based on the numbers, the rating numbers, I'm sure you have gone over to FXX and found uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and the league and uh, totally biased with uh, Kamu Bao. And I think that's uh, uh, a, a spinoff that really worked for them. And um, I know Sons of Anarchy broke out big recently. Yeah. You know that that show again is uh, is sort of off the charts, and it's in the things that it's trying to do visually, and it's just as aggro as it's ever been. And the bridge, um, I think the bridge has really come around. Uh, I really love it. I liked it from beginning to end so far. Well, it's not ended, but I liked it so far all the way through. Don't really want to talk about American Horror Story because I could care less. I hate that series, but it's American Horror Story's coven. So if you're into that, go for it. Um, and lastly, with the networks, we'll tie it up with, uh, or I will tie it up. I keep acting like there's somebody else here in this room. I'll tie it up with, uh, ABC. You know, ABC had a really interesting development season and I think they should be applauded for it, but they're also in fourth place. And so they better have had a good development season, right? I mean, they're in fourth place. Uh, and you know what that means? That means that they fell below NBC, which is really hard to do like it's it's spectacularly difficult to to end up below nbc but they did it and they may do it again this year who knows because um nbc has football and football dominates everything it just destroys people it is uh it is the new death star which used to be american idol and now no one gives a shit about american idol and nor should they um and by the way yes i did coin I did coin Death Star for American Idol. Look it up. All right. So anyway, just moving forward with uh, ABC, I think they've got some stuff that really works, whether it's going to be enough to counteract the football ratings and and later on 
the uh, Olympic ratings from NBC. I don't know, but their their stuff was pretty nice. So they had, you know, I'm I wasn't a big fan of uh, uh, Once Upon a Time and or um, oh, now I forgot the name. Who cares that 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 the Sunday show? <laughs> I knew I, I knew I would catch at, at least one show where I just can't remember the name. But they do have the new one, Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, which is the Alice in Wonderland uh, retelling. And, um, and you know what? Here I sit, still beyond me. I still can't remember what that show is. Um, you know what I'm talking about, though, right? Wink, wink. It's on Sundays. Whatever. But anyway, this new version of Alice in the Wonderland, they only sent us 20 minutes of it to begin with. I, I liked all 20 minutes, and I thought it was really good. I thought it was... Um, well told and unique and I'm on board with that. I want to see the rest of it. It might be on the ABC media net site, except I haven't watched it yet because I don't like watching on their media player, but that's one to look for. Um, they also brought in trophy wife. Now the trophy wife, and I'm not sure there's two shows that I'm not quite sure about that are both good. One is trophy wife and the other is back in the game. Um, I'm not sure they're going to bust out, but they're good. Trophy Wife is very funny. Um, uh, it was a great TCA session. The creator of the show was very funny woman and a lot of tales to tell. It's basically, you know, about, well, it's self-explanatory. She's the trophy wife. She is the third, she's the third or the fourth wife who comes in and, and, you know, it's tough when you're, um, she's married to Bradley Whitford and, it's got an extended family and all the other moms and everybody else don't take her seriously because she is the trophy wife. But it's uh, there's a lot going on with it. It's uh, It was very funny. But I don't think that it had kind of a very broad appeal. I thought it was well done. Uh, God, let's, let's, let's reuse the word that I've hammered into the ground uh, during this TVTM podcast, and that is compelling. I liked it. I'm not sure I would be compelled to watch it beyond maybe the pilot of the first two episodes. Uh, that said, the same thing is in back of the game, back in the game. And, uh, you know, back in the game is the, is the baseball. It's the James Con is the grumpy old, uh, dad whose daughter is, is now grown up. It's got a son of her own. And, uh, there's a lot to it, you know. She's she's going to coach this team of misfits. I guess I guess if you needed a, a descriptor, it would be, you know, a new version of bad bad news bears meets. I don't know. I didn't think that out in advance. I didn't write anything down. I could have come up with something more clever. But it's like a, a newer version of bad news bears with a more aggro mom at the center, um, and then James Con. And I liked it. I thought there were some really interesting elements to it. I don't think selling baseball, <laughs> I know they're not going to, look, they're not going to be showing baseball games or a, a bad baseball team like this team will turn out to be. Um, they won't have that footage every week. But I'm not sure the dynamic uh, is really there for a week-to-week -week thing. I, I, I like the pilot. I thought everybody was really interested in, interesting in it. But it wasn't something that I thought, you know, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a season pass for this because I want to see how this grows. Um, because it wasn't, it wasn't laugh out loud funny, it, much like Trophy Wife, it was, um, charming and funny in spots, but again, not compelling. The other, the other show that they brought in, the other comedy, uh, Super Fun Night, and, you know, that one is probably, um, 
I think that's a little bit like um, the Michael J. Fox show in that it's about an over it's about an overweight woman. It's about uh, her friends who are quote unquote unattractive. I, I I don't want to make that value judgment because I don't actually think that they really are that unattractive. Um, but it's about three um, women who basically can't get dates and decide that they're gonna have every week they're gonna like stay in and celebrate. Um, you know, I don't I don't think that that plays week to week as something because talking about weight issues and this whole idea of like being a loser I'm not sure people want to watch that week to week you know it stars Rebel Wilson as this overweight woman and and again this the whole purpose of the show is to sort of laugh at her unattractiveness or her inability to fit in and you know she's great at it. She's really wonderful. She's very funny. Um, Lisa Lapira, who I really love, is in this, and um, you know, I, she's not an unattractive woman. She's a very good-looking woman, and it's hard to buy her in these roles as this nerdy, unattractive person that she keeps getting cast in. Um, I think the success of the show will sort of rest with whether the audience can relate to this constant battle of whether Rebel Wilson's character will bust out of this loser's group and have a life of her own and find a man and find a good-looking man, which is sort of the premise in the in the pilot. And I don't know. I mean, I, there's a lot there. If, if, you, if you go beyond that, then you don't have a show, right? I mean, the idea is Super Fun Night, the three of them kind of constantly striving to to be in the in crowd. And, you know... Like Michael J. Fox, when you're laughing at his Parkinson's, it's, there's a little bit of awkwardness to it. Uh, the series is uh, executive produced and created, or helped created by Conan O'Brien, and um, he was fantastic when he was there at the at TCA. So, you know, just talking to, to those guys, I, I, I had a little faith that it might work going forward. Um, the other comedy that I think will work at ABC is called The Goldbergs, and... You know, I don't think I'm the only person who likes it. I'm probably, I think that the audience is very split on this critically. But um, I love Jeff Garland. I love when Jeff Garland is yelling. And he does a lot of yelling in The Goldbergs. The Goldbergs is basically a more Jewish variation of uh, The Wonder Years set in the 80s. And it's, um, I think it's just extremely well done. And it's very funny. The cast is tremendous. It's really well written. And... And uh, Jeff Garland, I think you once you buy into the fact that Jeff Garland from Curb Your Enthusiasm, if, if the name's not ringing a bell, um, once you buy into him as sort of the overprotective, yelling Jewish dad, then I think that there's so much to be mined from it. Uh, very well, very well done pilot, and I really hope it does well. It's going to be on a, on a on a difficult night because there's all their all their comedies. Um, Except for Super Fun Night, I believe that it's Trophy Wife and um, and Back in the Game are on that night, uh, and they're going to be following Agents of Shield. So you know who knows. So okay, so as far as uh, as we close this out with ABC, the dramas, uh, the one you certainly can't ignore is Agents of Shield, and not a great pilot, or if you want to call it Marvel's Agents of Shield, which I will not be doing, and nor will I be putting the periods between Shield. Um, 
not a great pilot. It's um, highly anticipated, lots of buzz about it, but once they delivered it, it was like, eh, yeah, that was pretty good. Um, not super great, um, but Joss Whedon is at the helm. And I think that anytime you have Joss Whedon, you're going to have to give him the benefit of the doubt. I will definitely do that. I'll be on board for more than a handful of episodes, which is kind of my mantra. I like when I, I'll watch I'll watch four episodes of any drama uh, unless it sucks right out of the gate and and it's just wretched um, because I want to see if it's going to get better or get worse, and that's only fair. Uh, and my bet is that Agents of Shield does get better. Um, and I think there's a big burden on the on the pilot to come out of the box strong, and it doesn't really. But again, this is this is not the Avengers. This is about the non-superhero element of um, uh, the Marvel Universe, and that is the Agents of Shield. Uh, you know, it was it's something that I'm going to stick with because I think it's going to get better, and I, I'm hopeful that in you know with Josh at least looking over it. I don't think he's going to be there every day, but, you know, Joss is a, uh, a proven talent and, um, you know, whether his family members are running the show or not, it doesn't really matter. He's going to be involved. And um, so, uh, but it's going to be essential for ABC to have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. come out of the box big. And again, it's not the greatest pilot. It's not bad. It's just good. And... People are need to, going to need to be blown away. I've written before that I think what they should have done was uh, run the second episode on the same night so you get a taste for how it moves forward. Because if you are coming to this and that ABC's target audience is women, for the most part, and if you're coming to this and you haven't seen, uh, if you're not a big comics nerd, if you don't know the Marvel Universe, then, uh, you know, and I, and I say that as somebody who doesn't know, uh, as a male who does not know, uh, not a comic nerd and doesn't know the Marvel Universe that well, but have seen the movie and, um, you know, followed some of the uh, Avengers, not all of them, but uh, have followed some of those movies. Uh, I still think you need a primer. I mean, you really need a table setter for uh, how this, how it plays out because there's a lot of references to the film. And if you haven't seen the film, it doesn't play. And there is, there are, an element of even though they're saying this is a separate thing it's about the agents uh there is a very distinct marvel feel to it there is a very distinct superhero feel and if you are not in that world and you don't know those movies it's really a non-starter and boy abc needs this to start if it doesn't start for them if this isn't a big hit for them then uh look for them to finish fourth again um let's see and there the other two dramas that they brought uh, are very nondescript. kind of hate to end this podcast on a downer note, but uh, Betrayal, not one you should watch, but um, you know, it's somebody has an affair, people get heartbroken, there's a lot of schmoopiness, there's a lot of faux tears, uh, and there's just, you know, no, it's just annoying. There's nothing, nothing at all engaging about this show. Uh, and then the one you might see advertised a ton, because this one is getting backed a lot, is Lucky 7. It's about people who are putting their money into the uh, to the lottery, hoping to win that. And wow, you think that they could really tell a lot of stories about people who won or did not win the lottery. Um, but no, not really a series I want to come back to after I've seen the first hour. Not bad. I mean, not like Wretched, where you're like, God, that's an hour I need back, or 
45 minutes to be exact. But uh, neither was it something that I would mark down as, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's see 22 episodes of that. That's going to be fantastic. So a no on that. And um, anyway, I think that is a summation, as long as it may be, of what's gone, what's happened in the summer. And uh, obviously other things have happened in the summer, right? You've got Ray Donovan, you've got more Breaking Bad, which I've written about extensively. You've got The Bridge, which we talked about a little bit here. Um, you've got uh, some PBS series that have started, Last Tango in Halifax. You still have um, some stars shows uh, that are up and running. So there's obviously Summer Fair going. Um, FX has their comedies running on FXX and FX. The main series, the main channel has Sons of Anarchy. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of summer fair. But I think what happened at at the Television Critics Association Summer Press Tour, which kicked off the TV Talk Machine podcast ages ago, or seems like ages ago, you know, whatever happened there is irrelevant to what's happening now. So that's why we, or I, keep saying we, maybe it's the royal we, that's why I wanted to do this podcast to wrap things up. And um, and the next time we talk will be when the fall season has launched. And I'll be joined by Allison Keene. And uh, her and I will be talking about all things television. And when she's not on the podcast, uh, you will be hearing me talking and interviewing, um, hopefully, a number of people who have committed to chat with me and hopefully there'll be people you want to hear about in depth interviews and you don't have to hear me rambling on and on about the fall but anyway that that in a nutshell is what happened in the summer at tca and that uh in in a big nutshell is what you're about to experience come fall we'll see you next time on the tv talk machine podcast i'm tim goodman thanks for listening